Well, good morning. Very happy you tuned in this morning to 89.1 FM radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. This is another show we're going to have on the book of Revelation. And uh, we've actually been studying this the past couple of weeks. It's very interesting, uh, the application that some of these principles and truths have in our lives today. I'm here at my station, here at the station, well, actually in my office where we're taping this during the COVID season. And these tapes will be going to the station. Mm -hmm. But with my good friend, David Abu. David, good Hey, John, morning. great to be here today with you. Good to have As you. As always, thank you. Great to be and here. A really nice autumn rainy day, which oh, is yeah. kind of interesting yeah. as we go into Cold towards winter. <laughs> so we've been studying, David, of course, and you've been studying and telling us about the book of Revelation. We went through the seven churches, which was mm -hmm. very interesting in chapters two and three. And then we got into chapter four, where John leaves the earth, so to speak, and he has a vision or he's caught up into this heavenly vision and he, he sees the throne room of God. And in chapter four, it goes through the, what he sees these four and 20 elders. He sees angels. He sees these creatures, four creatures, cherubim, if you will, that we're going to see later in the book of Revelation. And then you see the throne room of God. And it, the focus there, the worship focus in chapter four, book of Revelation, is God as the creator. And that's why the last verse will say in chapter 4, verse 11, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So here, the uh, throne room in heaven, all these angels and elders are worshiping God, particularly in this aspect that he is the creator. You know, yes. And, you know, you look at creation on a day like today, you look at the human body, you look at the stars, you got to ask yourself, who created all this? Who made all this stuff? And yeah. once you see that, then it's not that hard to worship God and to give thanks, even for fruitful seasons and for weather and for food yeah. and water. So that's what's going on in chapter 5. And then, I'm sorry, chapter 4, but then we came into chapter 5 last week and just kind of got into it, maybe the first five, first six verses, because mm -hmm. it's so loaded with um, these descriptive verses that John sees. Now, he's, he's in the throne room still, mm -hmm. but now we're introduced to this one that um, is going to receive a scroll from God, this, this seven-sealed scroll, something that's entitled to the earth. We can discuss that later. But this, this focuses on God, not as the God of creation, but in terms of redemption. And now you can remember uh, where you, maybe you can just read David verse 2 through 5 to kind of set it up from last week and then we'll get going and forward. Sure. Uh, Revelation 5 uh, verses 2 through 3, the scroll and the lamb. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept. And, and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll, and it has seven seals. Okay, thanks, David. So that kind of yeah. goes over a little bit what we talked about last week, but it really sets it up for today's show. Yeah. Because here we see... He, this personage with the scroll, God is holding the scroll. John sees that nobody is worthy to open this, but then the angel says to him, there is one worthy. And like you said in verse 5, um, don't weep, he says to John, behold. That's a very strong word. It means like, mm -hmm. it's almost like a proclamation. To pay attention or see this. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. Those are very important titles. The lion, of course, the lion is kingly. It always, that animal is like king of the beast, okay? Right. But it's ascribed to the tribe of Judah in the Old Testament. Of the 12 tribes, Judah was the tribe that kings would come from. David mm. and all the other kings would come from this tribal line of um, Judah. So you have the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then you have this idea, the root of David. In other words, when the Messiah would come, we knew he would be an offspring of David. That is to say, he would come from that line. But here he's called the root. Yeah. What root suggests before. 
So here we see he's both the son of David or the offspring of David. Yep. And he's also comes before David because of his eternity. He's both God, the root of David, before David was even born. And he is offspring of David or the son of David. Actually, the great, great grandson, I believe, of David. So he has prevailed to open the scroll. He is worthy. And then John looks. He heard it's going to be a lion, right, in the verse 5. Right. But when he looks in verse 6, what does he see? Okay. You go ahead and read that, John. Okay. I, and I, I looked and behold, there's that yeah. word again, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. So now he turns... He heard about a lion, yeah. but now he sees a lamb. You'll see this happening a couple times in the book of Revelation. You hear one thing, you see another thing. But this is so important because here we see who's on the throne is this lamb as it had been slain. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing there is um, that, that came from one of the elders around the, around the throne, I think, making that announcement, John. I thought, expected to see the lion, but he saw the lamb instead. Right, right. Imagine his surprise. Yeah. So so now we're introduced to this lamb, but not just any lamb. It's a lamb that had been slain. Of a course, delicate lamb, almost, yeah. you know, what, what they suggest, right? Yeah, I mean, a lamb, a lamb is used over 500 times in the Bible. Yeah. It's used 29 times in the book of Revelation. Lamb is very important in the Bible. We see at the very beginning with Abel, one of the first offspring, the child, the son of Adam and Eve, he was a shepherd. And he kept, it says he's a shepherd, a keeper of sheep. And he offers up the first of his flock as a sacrifice. Yeah. And it was So right there you see a slain lamb way back in the first pages of Genesis. And then as you start to go through the scripture, you see the importance of a lamb. For example, you'll see a lamb when um, uh, Abraham was going to offer up his son Isaac and God sends an angel to stop him. Then he offers up a lamb or a ram, if we could say that. And then you see when the Israelites are getting out of mm -hmm. Egypt, yep. you know, remember 400 yards, what are they to do? It's very strange, mm -hmm. but they're told to get a lamb, examine it that right. doesn't have spot or blemish, kill it catch the blood in a bowl, mm -hmm. put it with a brush or what's called a hyssop in the Bible and put it on the doorpost right. of your house, go in and then cook the lamb, eat the lamb for strength. And that's what got him out of slavery. Well, that's a. it, it seems strange that the shedding of blood of a lamb you know, would get you out of slavery. But it set up a perfect picture. So when you get to the New Testament and John the Baptist introduces Jesus coming at the River Jordan, behold the lamb who takes away the sins, sins of, the of the world. world right. So there you see that connection with the lamb and he's going to take us out of the bondage of sin to take us out of the bondage, you know, move us from um, darkness into light. He's going to give us new life, but it's all because the shedding of the blood of the lamb. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think just from my perspective and I, I don't think I'm alone, most uh, you know, men think of symbols of power. You know, they think about ferocious beasts or mm. birds of prey. Um, and, you know, when we're looking at uh, the representative of the kingdom of heaven, it's a lamb. Yeah. You know, so I think that's why John was so surprised. Yeah. And it was a slain lamb. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, look at the emblems right. of, of great nations. Right. Russia, what's their emblem? A bear. England, a lion. USA, uh, the uh, uh, eagle, the bald eagle, mm -hmm. the powerful. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes in China, their symbol was a dragon. Powerful animal imagery. Mm -hmm. But a lamb? Yeah. Uh, you know, a weak. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, but mm -hmm. we're going to see in a moment it's not that weak. When no. really close. So here's where we see this idea of the Passover lamb. Right. And it's not just any lamb. It's It says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, he is a, he's like a lamb. Uh, being led to slaughter. Jesus comes to die. What is that, John? Isaiah 57? Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, um, verse 7. Okay. We'll say this. Um, yet, Speaking of Jesus, yet he was oppressed and he was afflicted and he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb mm -hmm. to the slaughter 
as a sheep before its shearers, he is silent, and he did not open his mouth. You see, this famous psalm of the suffering Messiah yeah. speaks of him as the lamb. Mm -hmm. And when we see Jesus coming, he has all this power, right, David? I mean, oh, yeah. he can calm storms, he can raise the dead, he can cast out demons. But he doesn't use his power to defend himself mm -mm. When, he, when, he, when he's given up, you know, and because of his whole purpose to come here was to die. Correct. That's, that's kind right. of a, a surprising fact. We don't realize this. All of us are born into this world to live, you know, ideally a long and healthy life. And, but Jesus has come. He says, this for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And the, one of the ways he does that is the shedding of his blood, is through the sacrifice. And, you know, Jan, uh, I think one of the most interesting things, too, um, one of the things I wrote down for this section is um, when you see the fact that he's been slain, the idea of the sacrifice of Christ is still fresh and current before God and the Father every single waking mm. moment. It's right there. I mean, that's what he's he's looking at is Jesus is next to him on the throne. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, that was a long time ago, thousands of years later. You know, the fact is um, when we get up there, we're going to see that it's still fresh. We'll see his wounds. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's not outworn, you know, the work of the, his efforts on the cross. Right. They still are working for you, for us, for our kids, mm -hmm. for as long as the earth is around, before he comes back in the second coming, you can be saved. And That's a good his point. work is fresh. And it, he can save you. Just because it happened thousands of years ago, I think there's a misconception that it's not actively working. It's not. It's still. Yeah, a, it only happened call, once, and you know, are we still going to be able to get that reward? It's what they call. It's still efficacious. Yeah. It still applies. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it'll say in First John, uh, chapter one, verse eight and nine, if we say that we do not sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. But if if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And later in the book of Revelation, it'll say they overcome the enemy by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. You see? Well, it, it, and again, as you said, it really highlights the sacrificial offering of Christ right there in the sight of God that it still you know represents the pouring out of his yeah, blood for right. our offenses. Right, exactly right. I mean, just to see what, what you ask your son to do every single... I mean, think about that. I mean, so for me, it's uh, it's really clear now that we're studying this, you know, I, I didn't have any idea that that's what was going to be in the throne room. Yeah, right. You know, I had no idea that's what we were going to see. I thought I was just going to see a bunch of jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, God sitting on his throne. Bright lights. And all the angels all over, but man. So anyway. So it's a good point you bring yeah. up, David, because it tells us that it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So our appeal to be saved or as for our sins forgiven, our appeal to God is through His Son. I don't have no righteous standing no. before God. I, uh, terrible. But through the Son, because I can get, so to speak, behind the Lamb. Yeah. You know, Our robes are washed in the blood of the <clears> Lamb. <throat> Therefore, we didn't do anything to deserve that. You mm -hmm. see? Now, listen, this is interesting in the Old Testament, yeah. David. where are you? It's uh, Zechariah chapter uh, 12, verse 10. All about this one that's pierced. This is a prophecy. It says, I will pour out in the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me whom they have pierced. Mm. Yes, they will mourn for him mm. as one mourns for his only son. It's talking about this coming one Gosh. that all Israel is going to see. Yeah. They're going to see that he's been pierced. That's 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 mm. an incredible scripture written six, seven hundred years before the crucifixion. And I think last week we closed by looking at chapter twenty-two in Psalm twenty-two, which is all about this suffering uh, Messiah, the suffering servant. Again, it says they 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 pierced my hands and my feet. Well, the thing is. Piercing was not a form of capital punishment in ancient Israel. It was stoning, or they would throw you off a cliff, but it was not uh, crucifixion. That would yeah. come in with the Romans, and it's perfect. And, 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 John, you know, I think we've talked about this, 
you know, um, in previous shows and, and a lot separately off the show about it's not our good works. Mm -mm. We looked at the seven churches and we saw that, you know, a lot of them were saying, look at all our out, outgoing programs. Look at what a wonderful church we are. And Christ, you know, sat back and said, hold, hold on a second. Okay, I'm not in those works. You're not really thinking of me when you're doing those works. And I think, you know, all of us have to understand that this is the only way that we are able to get into heaven. And this is the only way that we have redemption and freedom from death and our sins is the slain lamb. Exactly That's right. That's the only path. And even, you know, we had our, our men's uh, meeting today with the men's group. And still, I, you know, I have to like pull back because I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be doing all these service projects and whatnot. That's fine. Yeah, sure. And sure, it's a good thing. But that's not the golden ticket. Right. That's not the golden ticket. And so many people don't understand yeah. that we are saved right. by, we are saved, we're not saved mm -hmm. by good works, no. but we're saved for good works. Right. And that's a very yeah. important thing. Good works are very important, but it says in Ephesians 2, number one, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Well, if I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, what good work can I do as a dead person that's going to appease God and all holy God? Well, nothing really. No. But that's why the thief on the cross, he recognized Jesus as Lord. He knew he was a mm -hmm. sinner. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeah. And simply by belief, right. Jesus gave the assurance, this day you will be with me in paradise. So Ephesians 2 really lists this out where near the end it will say, um, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. So nobody can boast by saying, I did more good works than you, and you did more good works than Job over here. Then it says, but we are saved not by works, but he has appointed good works for us to do them. That should be the indication we have new life in Christ because we do good works. We share the gospel. We share right. money. We, we, we live a more holy life. We don't use God's and, name. And, and it, so is that, so I was thinking about what I said, and I maybe confused some people because then the question is going to be, so is that all we have to do is take Jesus as our Lord and Savior and show up to heaven? We see the Lamb and we're in? But no, I, I think what you just said, it's the way we go about our Christian lives and, yeah. and what's motivating us to do those good things. Exactly Is right. that the best way to say yeah. it? Because okay. on Pentecost, Peter gives a great sermon, and the people yell out, what must we do to be saved? And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Repent, and then be baptized. So think of it like this. Think of it like the birth of a child. Mm -hmm. That's an event. The birth is an event, but the life of the child is a process. Okay, Both are important. The key is that, that, that event, right? Then it's a right. process, a lifetime. A marriage. A marriage is a, is a singular event mm -hmm. when a man and woman come together in a church right. or, you know, and yeah. publicly declare their commitment to one another to the exclusion of all others. That's an event, but their, their marriage is a process, a lifelong process. So to, to receive Christ, or what the Bible says, to be born again, is an yeah. event. You receive Christ. Yeah. I ask Christ to come into my life. Mm -hmm. But that's just... Just, just to start, you see. Yeah. But then your life in Christ from then, uh, you want to seek to please Him and live a holy life. You know, you don't, you know, use God's name in vain. You share your goods with others. You, you live a pure life. You strive to. So that's you're following the Ten see Commandments, that, yeah. right? Uh, you all can't those types get the, of things. Yep. The, the the diesel, so right. to speak, is is the new birth by mm -hmm. faith. But the train cars behind it are the good works that yeah. follow. That's a very important thing. Because a lot of people think, well, I hear people say, are you going to go to heaven? And they'll say, well, I never hurt anybody, and I'm not as bad as my neighbor, and I never did this, and I did this, and I gave $500 to the charity at Christmas time. Well, those are good things, but that's not the thing, you see? That's where people don't understand the ABCs of the Bible. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the problem. Well, how am I, if, I, if I fall short of the so glory of God, how am I going to... Is the answer to a new believer, well, first and foremost, as you've always told me, get into a church. Yeah, right. And, well, that's you know, right. It, right. And it, the reason Christ focused on the seven churches is because those are his entities that go out to do his works. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't list seven particular people. It listed seven churches. Right. That he came back right. when, you know, that was a period of time, I think, when everybody was forlorned and 
wondering what on earth's going on, and Jesus came back at the right time to bring hope and faith that I haven't left you. But, you know, so you get into the church, and then I, the important thing is you have to get around other people, as you said, right. uh, to help nurture your faith, which you have done for my family and I. Um, and from there then, if you start to understand how you go about your walk, sure. even if you're a new, new Christian, it's all what your intentions are about. Mm. Isn't that the best way to summarize it? Versus yeah. just saying, I'm going to jump in that group to oh. you know, feed the poor. I'm going to do this because I'm a new Christian. But if your heart's not in it and you're not doing it for the right reasons, I think that's, when, uh, that that's what Christ tells us to be careful of. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure we're yeah. clearly you know, yeah. giving Number the right one, script to everybody. On once that. a person receives Christ, they've dedicated their life. They want, the Bible says, you'll confess through the mouth that Jesus right. Christ is Lord. <clears throat> believe in your heart that Jesus has been risen from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So you, that happened to me at age 27. I, I committed my life to Christ. Okay. Next steps. Well, it says clearly in First Peter, as a newborn baby, mm -hmm. you're like a newborn baby. Uh, desire the sincere milk of the word. So you're starting to get the basics of scripture. Oh, here's where I was. Here's where I am now. Here's how to pray. Uh, put off the old man. Don't be a drunkard. Don't fornicate. Don't do these things we did before. And then do this. You know, share, be kind, be forgiving. Uh, be part of a church then. And usually that entails baptism, which is a mm. public sign of an inward act that you've been mm -hmm. down, dead, and risen in new life in Christ. And then as you're just in, like being in a family, you're gonna grow. You're gonna hear the word of God. Uh, you're gonna see opportunities for service. Uh, you got a place to, to put money that's gonna right. go through the prison. Yeah. And then your children are gonna start hearing the word of God, you see? So then as you grow, your gifts are identified. Maybe it's hospitality, maybe it's administration, maybe it's helps, maybe it's evangelism. So you, then you're gonna start being able to share your faith. And you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. If you go from milk to bread to strong meat in terms of capability yeah. of the Word of God. Yeah. And you don't know how much impact a single person can have or a single church. But that's, you're right. Go back to your original statement, David. Of being part of a church after you accept Christ is vitally important. If you don't do it, it's almost like a baby is born and he doesn't join a family. Yeah. He's not part of a family. Yeah. He's in the hospital, he's in whatever. It, it takes it really... To get a well-rounded child to young adulthood, it requires a family. Yeah, and mother, father. And I know one of the shows we're going to do after this one is on church. Yeah. And uh, the reason you want to be a part of it, and I think we touched on that, you know, a couple years ago we yeah. did a show on that. Yeah. It's important though to remind oh, people man. about it. Yeah. Um, so now we see we looked at these attributes. Right. Seven eyes, perhaps omniscience. He's he mm -hmm. sees everything. He hears everything. Seven spirits of God. Um, could be could be metaphor for the Holy Spirit, seven being perfection. Um, well, yeah. Seven horns is power. Oftentimes yeah. in the scripture, it's a metaphor for seven would be omnipotent or complete in power. I'm sorry, David, you wanted to say? Well, I was just going to say it's, it's interesting to, to still have the lamb that's been sacrificed, right? Mm. Showing, showing that it, you know, it's almost like it just happened. Mm. But then the power... Of the seven horns on top of its head with the seven eyes. Yes. Um, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Maybe maybe you can give some detail about what that means. Well, it could be attributes of the slain lamb, of course, which is Jesus yeah. Christ. Seven horns, like I said. Horns is often indicative of power. Okay. So if you have seven horns, that would suggest perfect power, omnipotence, right. all-powerful. Yeah. Seven eyes would suggest omniscience. He, he can sees see everything. everything. Okay. Not just exterior, but right. interior, x-ray right. vision. Right. Seven spirits could be uh, emblematic of the Holy Spirit. The seven perfect spirit of God uh, sent out to all the earth. The Holy Spirit is very active in the earth today, convicting. So, so, so again, Jan, um, when you take a look at this and you see the you know, the horns suggest power, the eyes suggest knowledge and wisdom, and then you have the lamb. Yeah. And the wisdom and the power fulfilled, you know, perfectly. Um, it's just really an incredible combination. Uh, yeah. And to think that that most powerful being in the, in the universe 
came down to allow himself yeah. to be a lamb to be slaughtered for us. Right. And when I started to look at it that way, that, that was the difference for me. Yeah, that was it. That was the difference for me. I was never really, um, you know, I heard it as a kid, but it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. And, um, you know, now that's really what I hang my hat on in terms of, you know, why we're here and what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And the fact that he sees this lamb, which is Jesus right. Christ, of course, you can see how he interfaces here, David, yeah. with humanity. He came down, he's pierced. We right. did the worst thing possible. I mean, pierced him, killed mm -hmm. him. But now he's interfacing with God, so to speak, uh, as an adversary mm -hmm. for us. He's an advocate for us. And he's surrounded with all these worshipers. So it creates a really interesting kind of a coalescing of all of God's creative work, yeah. you know, that came. And so, so now it says here, verse 7, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand and hit and sit in the, uh, on the throne. Yeah, which then is he, God. Which right. is God. And here's where we get a picture of this again in the Old Testament. Remember we said earlier, when you study the book of Revelation, it requires you, it mandates you to go back into the Old Testament. Yeah. We saw that with the yeah. seven churches. He references Balak and Balaam. He's, we're going to see the plagues of Egypt uh, manifested in the book mm -hmm. of Revelation. You see all that. So that's why these modern day movies and uh, stuff popularized on TV about the book of Revelation, they're all, they're, quite honestly, they're all wrong because they don't focus on the interpretive key, which is the Old Testament. It's almost like you, you're getting the cliff notes from the exactly. previous yeah. Old and New Testament, and this is what's going to complete the story. Yeah. But, you know, he's God, Jesus wrote Revelations. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so he's basically summarizing. This is what I told you. Yeah. This is a good the way conclusion. This this is what's going to happen. Yeah. All the threads yeah. are coming together. So this is when Daniel um, has this heavenly vision, just like John in many ways uh -huh. in Daniel chapter seven, and he says, um, verse nine, I watched till the thrones were put into place. The ancient of days was seated. This is God. Yeah. His garment was white as snow. His hair as pure as wool throne was a fiery flame uh, out comes this steam so to speak a stream issues from him thousands upon thousands ministered to him ten thousand all these angelic beings yeah okay and then he's watching and then he sees these beasts verse 12 and the rest of the beasts they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for the then he said look at verse 13 i was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming in the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given, or handed over, dominion, glory, kingdom, that the people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He shall not pass away. His kingdom, this one, shall not be destroyed. Do you see that exchange? Perhaps that's what we're seeing here. When he's taking the scroll, he's Could worthy be. to take the scroll in Revelation. Yeah. And that gives us a hint that maybe this scroll is, at least partially, the title deed to the earth. Not the earth, but just the universe right. as, yeah. as it's unfolded here. So, okay, so now we come back to Revelation chapter 5. Then you can see in verse 8 and 9 and 10, this is where they open it and these... Um, I can read those. Yeah, I probably that's, should. That's good. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Okay, thanks, David. Yeah, wow. So now we see he takes the scroll. Once he takes that, this group that was introduced in chapter 5 around the throne, mm -hmm. the four living creatures, the 24 elders, they fall down. Now, this is important. Before the Lamb, yeah. he's receiving worship. You see this? Mm -hmm. This is this is a very important point. We see the deity of Jesus. We see his humanity that he was down here and he was slain. Still bears those marks, and he. We, you can only bow down like this before God Himself. Remember what one of the temptations of Jesus in the uh, wilderness yeah. when Satan says, 
bow down, worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone. At the end of the book of Revelation, John sees an extremely powerful angel. And it says, I'm in Revelation 22, verse 8. He says, now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard, I saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he says, don't do that, for I am a fellow servant of yours, of the prophets and those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. You see, that's a very yeah. important point. Again, it says in chapter 19, Revelation verse 10, he says, um, and I fell at the feet to worship him. That's his mighty angel. But he said to me, don't see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, a servant uh, with the testimony of Jesus, of your brethren to have the testimony. Worship God. Yeah. See, very important point that we don't bow down to an ideology. We don't bow down to a Democrat, Republican Party. We don't bow down to a statue. We bow down to our Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There it you is. see him freely yeah. receiving worship. So yeah. anyone that says, oh, well, Jesus isn't God. Jesus is just a holy person or great prophet or this. You can't have it both ways. You have to scratch this out, so to speak. What do you think? You well, you know, there's a couple things. One of the things I, I liked in reading this is the fact that our prayers uh, are visually coming across like incense yes. in the in the bowls. So, you know, sometimes the prayers that that I pray, you know, I mm -hmm. think, man, th these are really tough prayers. But to God, they're incense. And when I think about that, I mean, that's how much he wants us to pray to him, whatever our needs are. Right. And, and that was just really fun to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it made me feel good uh, about my prayers, regardless of what they are. Yeah, right. Number one. And then uh, the, the other thing is that it is clear. It reminded me that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And that man is Jesus Christ. Right. And, you know, so, I mean... He took our sins on, you know, the elders, the cherubim are all bowing to him because he's the only one able to open the scroll. And God, you know, is sitting right there, his father. So I, I, it's nice to see the completion of the story mm. and everything we were taught early on in the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament when Jesus says, yes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who comes to me shall never die. And it just it ties it all together in a knot. Beautiful now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so what you brought up about the incense, in the Old Testament talks about my, our prayers go up as incense before yeah. God. Yeah, I never and heard course, that before. Yeah. yeah, because in the tabernacle, when you go into the holy place or the temple in right. Jerusalem, you'd have the showbread on the right, you'd have the candle, the menorah, seven-parted candle. But then you'd have a little altar, and that uh -huh. was where you put incense, and it would go up like smoke. You'll see John the Baptist's father doing this as a the opening chapters of uh, Luke, where he's mm -hmm. ministering and up is going the uh, prayers. It's like their uh, prayers are a sacrifice going up to heaven. Because when you go through the curtain, there you have God's presences. On yeah. The so this is a really nice picture of your prayers going upward. And they have almost like a permanence, like they're stored in heaven or something. You know, they come right up to the very throne room. This is why prayers are so powerful. Yeah, you know, I, I actually did write something uh, down here, some of... Uh, 141.2, it says, Let my prayer be go. set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. That's good. And, you know, and I forgot I wrote that down, but, you know, the incense, you think about it, it's very pleasing aroma, you would you would hope. Uh, it's that kind of incense. You know, it's ascending to heaven, but how do you get the incense to become that smoky, good aroma? Mm -hmm. It needs fire. Right. Right? So um, our prayers are in golden bowls. And, and there's fire to what? Purify them? Well, it, yeah. I mean, to it, cleanse it them before they come they to God? Or what? It shows how precious they yeah. are. They're valuable. Right. Gold. Uh, we'll see this symbolism yeah. used other places. Yeah. But it's the idea that there's things we can do on earth that make it up to heaven. Mm -hmm. One thing is worship. Yeah. The other thing is um, prayers. Right. The other thing it says... When one sinner, one sinner repents, the angels in heaven rejoice. So when you lead somebody to Christ, that somehow is mm. news in heaven. Mm -hmm. See, there are when we pray, "Our Father who art in heaven, mm -hmm. hallowed be thy name," 
thy kingdom come, mm-hmm. thy will be done on mm-hmm. earth as it. We're praying yeah. revelation. Right. We're praying, and we have prayers are so powerful. Oh, you know, there's. Man. I think. I think sometimes they're like stored up there. So right. I don't know. We'll see this later. Man, I don't know. If we get into the book of Revelation, now as a result of this praying. That now leads them to worship. And that's what you just read where they sing. Notice they say a new song. We're going to see this idea of new, where Jesus makes all things new, but he's given us a new song. And what is the new song? Is that they're rehearsing just what happened. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For why? For you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. That's so important. Yeah, and... And John, you know, you know, I was just thinking about this. You know, I'm I'm not sure, but um, I was thinking. I, I hope the listeners aren't interpreting this to say, well, we have to wait to get to heaven to mm. see that we're redeemed and we see the land. Right. No, it, it's it's up there. Yeah. Which means once you take Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're already there. Right. Now it's time to work down here, which exactly. is what He wants us to mm-hmm. do. And we just get reminded He's He's giving us this vision to remind us that we have been redeemed and we are reborn. We are new. Yeah, new so, creature. You know, and, and I've had this discussion before, and what that means to me personally is all the screw-ups and all the sins and everything I have done in the past, I, I can't fix those. So I t- have a tendency to look forward and not in the rearview mirror. Right. And I think that's what he allows us to do. And it's very freeing to say, I'm sorry for those sins I've committed, and there's been a zillion of them mm-hmm. uh, before I was a Christian. And even still, when I was a Christian, and even now, you know, I, I sin every day. I'm sure I do. Um, but, you know, you, you just don't look back. He's already forgiven you, and he's already done done the duty to, to get you free. Right. And he knows that we're sinful. That's why he had to send his son, because no human could have fulfilled the sacrifice. That's the key, David. So, and that allows you to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm is the way I've, I've been looking at it in discussions with you. That allows you to forgive yourself. Right. The only way we're back in the trajectory to get to see the throne room is because he had to send his son because we just screwed things up. Right. And we have no way we could have fixed them. Exactly right. We're not capable. Forgive us our trespasses right. as we forgive those who trespass. So yeah. you're right in the sense... What, what, there's several points of interest here. Number one, a, it's a new song. Right. Number two, they notice his worthiness, which we just saw, that he was killed. He was slain. But he just wasn't slain a hero's death. You know, a, somebody, you know, gives his life for another. This is redemptive. This is atoning death to redeem us. To redeem means to mm-hmm. buy back to God by what? Your teaching, your miracles? Yeah. No, by your blood. By your blood. All yeah. religions uh, are based on a form of teaching, uh, to certain ethic or morality. Mm-hmm. The key is the, the, to the Christian faith is the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It's true on earth. It's true in heaven. That's why we see the Lamb that was slain and this song being sung. So, what's yeah. the result of this? Out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation. See what I'm saying? This is worldwide. That's why when Jesus is introduced by John, again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. World, Not just Israel, not just the Jewish people, but for the entire world. You know, nationalities and and smaller tribal groups and nations themselves. But he just doesn't forgive us and give us new life and forgiveness. Look at verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. See that idea of kingdom and priest. Yeah, man. It wow. says it says this in uh, chapter one of Revelation, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, washed us from our sins in his blood, and he's made us kings and priests. See, this is a very powerful term. Hey. I never thought I could be a priest. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's a good point, David. Yeah, so. What did priests do in the Old Testament? The Levitical priesthood. They did. They they performed. They were mm-hmm. the ones that do the sacrifice. Right. Okay. Yeah. They were the ones that would go into the holy place and minute. You know, change the showbread. Mm-hmm. Make sure the candles were lit. They would pray mm-hmm. before the incense mm-hmm. altar, as John the Baptist's father. We see him praying right. in there. And then once a year, a special priest could go through the curtain 
and actually minister in the very presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was. Yeah. He would intercede for Israel. He'd pray for himself. He would tell them God's message. He would he would he would be a go-between because the common people weren't allowed into that. Well, what did Jesus do? He cut when he died, the curtain was ripped. Yeah. So it says in Hebrews, now we have a new and living way that you and I can go in. Like you say, who are we to go in? But see, what did the priest do? He went in the presence of God. Now we can go into the presence of God. Number two, we can pray for other people. That's intercession, a mm -hmm. priestly function. Number three, Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right. In other words, we don't sacrifice lambs and goats today. There's a lot of priestly um, qualities that we can do. That's why he says, you are a royal priestly, uh, kingly priesthood. Well, how are we royal? Well, we're told in the Bible that in the future and rewards, there's crowns for faithful service yeah. done here on earth. But even now, one of the things kings have is authority. Well, Jesus says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. That, yeah. That's demonic realm. We don't have to fear the demonic realm. He's given us authority to share the gospel. He's given us authority to pray. This is really powerful. And he says, if you'll be with faithful a little bit here, I'll make you faithful much over there. We're not sure what that means in eternity. All I know is we're to rule and to reign with Christ. We're going to be co-heirs with him. Yeah. And it's a mystery. It, it is a mystery. And then to think that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. I mean, w when you think about that and, you know, the Holy Spirit is is part of the triad. Yeah. You know, the Godhead. Trinity, yeah. and, and to think that the Holy Spirit is in us now, as Jesus said, you want me to leave so that I can send, you know, the uh, the counselor. Yeah. And uh, and so, um, boy, that that's it's, it's a great bargain. I mean, it if sure you want to is, call, man. Yeah, we've I mean, done nothing. Me, and we've received. That's just right. Like, that's what a gift is, though. It sure you is. Don't, you don't deserve. We don't earn it. It's, but, you know, John, again, the, it's the power that that we've been given. And um, and, and I think we said this in the you know, last week show or the week before. When you take a look at the apostles and you saw what happened to them yeah. uh, when Jesus died before he rose and they scattered like chickens mm -hmm. uh you know and everybody was scared and then when jesus came back and rose from the dead you saw the super strength and power that the holy spirit brought him yeah and they were they were supermen supernatural men right. and their beliefs and their conviction that this was the son of god and they didn't care if they were going to get killed or not yeah they were and ready. so i think you know you the I've been asked a lot, well, what does the Holy Spirit do for you when you're a Christian, and how do you know if he's in your body? It, it Because we're told that's what happens. Yeah. But it's how you utilize that. Yeah, sure. And I think the best way, unless you, you tell me differently, is to pray mm -hmm. that you know we get the strength and that we can move forward and do God's God's ministry. Yeah. I mean, and the other is, thing, is that how you do it? Well, yeah, and the other thing the Holy Spirit does, he convicts us. Oh yeah. If you think a thought oh, or sure. say words and you feel like convicted, yeah. you didn't I didn't feel that way before I was a believer. Right. You know. That's right. And that's why I, I don't think I, I can't hardly ever hardly remember any believer using God's name in vain once they fully know what salvation is. I can't imagine anyone having received God's gift of set in the Holy Spirit and now saying, Oh, I'm gonna go become I'm gonna go into witchcraft, I'm gonna become a Hindu. I mean once you know you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit because you see power in your life. Yeah, and 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 I think you know, and, and I still do this. You know, so, sometimes I still talk about people that have upset me. Mm -hmm. It is not it is not a Christian thing to be doing, um, but the um, but then I think about it afterwards yes. in a way that I never would have. You're right. That's and so I, I think that's that's, that's probably the sign. Holy Spirit saying, tapping me on the shoulder. Yeah. Hey, pal. That's a good sign. <laughs> that's you, a good sign. What are you doing? <laughs> So, so now it says, uh, we'll start wrapping it up here. Yeah. He says, you can read verse 11 if you want, and through 12, David. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and the wisdom and strength and the honor and glory and praise. Doesn't that sound like Daniel chapter Man, 7? it sure does. All these thousands and thousands of angels. See how it's expanded now from the 24 elders and these four creatures. Now you got, boom, 
tens of thousands times. That's like the Bible's way of saying well, yeah, it's Jan, innumerable. Yeah, Jan, so I just when I just thought about that that verse, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise, worthy is the Lamb. It's almost like because of his sacrifice, because he was obedient to God, he is now being raised up again for his obedience yeah, right. and his sacrifice. He's exalted. Yeah, yeah. because of what he did, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess when I think about the Ten Commandments and, and the, you know, uh, what he charged us to do in simple form with those Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. it really shouldn't be that challenging. When well, you think yeah, about I it mean, compared he, to this sacrifice, yeah. I mean, I, I got to be kidding myself he's, when I'm struggling he's front with He's front-loaded. Yeah. In a sense, he, he's done all the heavy lifting. Right, he has. That. That's absolutely correct. And he's yeah. given us incredible gifts. And now, notice the, the other thing about the Christian faith, whether on the earth or in heaven, there is singing. Do you ever think yeah. of that? They're right. singing. And yeah. even unbelievers like Right. Amazing Grace, or Away in a Manger, or How Great there, Everybody's art. always singing. That's and I, I mean. just think about my voice and say the only time I'm decent is when I'm in the shower, I think. But, you know, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that, that that's the way we're supposed to give praise. Exactly yeah. right. Uh -huh. And then he'll say, uh, again, worship, worship. Right. Anyone that doesn't see that Jesus is God right. is not reading the scriptures. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then it says, verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Now, this is going to be important in the study of Revelation because it gives us three separate scenes or, or uh, areas to look at. Number one is the earth. Things are going on in the earth, right? The seven churches. Number two is the heavenlies, where we're at now, right? Chapter four, uh, five and six. But then we go under the earth. Mm -hmm. Later on in chapter nine, uh, you see dem demonic spirits and that being released under. So if you're looking at, mm -hmm. if you think of it like a stage play, a yeah. theater, yeah. you have your regular stage. Right Let's up. say that's the earth. Uh -huh. and those lights shut down, and then the attic or the upper level opens, and that's the heavenlies. But they both shut, and then we're going to see. Man, it shows things under I the. I like earth. to see that play. Yeah, yeah. Would that be great? <laughs> that would be. And so <laughs> now he says. Every creature which is in yeah. heaven. Here's the thing: we, if you're not an unbeliever, you're still going to bow the knee. That's the thing, you know, because it says, "Every creature which is in heaven and earth, such are in the sea, and all that are in them." I heard saying, "Behold, an honor and glory, uh, he who sits on the throne to the Lamb forever and ever." It's like a conquering king. Right. Even the enemies, yeah, will will acknowledge him in the end of the age. He's, you know. Um, just think about the leaders that are in power today. Mm -hmm. Some of them that have these dictatorships thinking that they are it and, you know, bow down to me or, or else. Yeah. And I, I think what the cherubim, you know, have done is when you take a look at, the, you know, the man face, the ox, the eagle, and the lion, and Jesus is above that. He's above the elders, you know, the, the angels that were created that visual that has to that has to resonate with you that this is the son of god it is he's in control of everything it's his you know so it um, says in in hebrews chapter 1 god said yeah let all the angels mm -hmm. worship him right that's and again i we we've done shows on this but the deity of jesus christ is so important because without that you cannot turn the key you can't, it doesn't fit the story it's not about a, a great prophet mm -hmm. that that's not the final statement that's right you know the the story is about what we see in the throne room having his son all powerful son that sees everything and is all powerful came down as a lamb right. to allow himself to be slain that's the take-home message. Right. And yeah, without powerful. that, we might as well just wrap it up. And, you know, yeah, without that, you go have do a, something else. You have what I call like a book club. The Bible yeah. becomes a book club. And you lose out on the power and the reason. Right. And the very thing that holds it together comes apart. You know, Jesus is the center of the wheel. It just is. Everything right. moves on him. Yes. Yeah, on earth and in heaven. And then finally it will say, um, verse 14, then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him. Yeah. Who lives forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And so we see chapter four is centered on worship as God is creator. Chapter five, we see the worship is centered on the redemptive work of God. 
through the lamb that was slain. You know, and it's, again, it's, it's, it's like a fabric or a carpet or it's a, a, that all these threads weave together. And particularly in the book of Revelation, you're just pulling threads from the Old Testament. We just did that from Daniel. And you look at from Psalm where the prayers go up like a fragrance before God. You see all these threads and these elements come together in this tapestry called the book of Revelation. You know, John, as I think about this pandemic just now, and a thought hit me that, you know, he did this for every nation. Every nation. There was no dividing, saying, okay, Israel, I'll do it for you. Right. Forget everybody else. Because, you know, everybody, um, I shouldn't say everybody, but, you know, the question is, you know, you see the new Israel coming down. Everybody's like, he's just focused on, no. This is for everybody. Just the same way that you get up in the morning and the sun comes up every day all over the planet at the right time. And so when you think that he did this for everybody, and then we look at the pandemic and you see how it's gone across the globe. And, you know, it would be nice to see each country helping each other. Sure. You know, and just kind of simulate a little bit about what Christ did for us and the way he looks at everybody the same. Yeah. And so, you know, I think with the pandemic um, and the stress and the anxiety and the chaos that it has brought, when you see this and you know that you have that ability to be free from all your sins and have that eternal life, even now through this, you know, it just is a little bright, a really big bright spot. Oh, yeah. In the sea of uh, confusion and chaos right now. Yeah, that's the thing about reading the Bible. It gives you stability. Yeah. And you realize... Even everything that's going to unfold in the book of Revelation, God's on the throne. You know, he's orchestrating right. stuff. He's, 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 he's in director. control even now. Yeah. You know, so, and, and I think that's really what we have, you have to convey. We don't know when he's coming. People no. are like, he must be coming soon because mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Yeah, right. We don't know that. No. We, right, John? Yeah, yeah. We don't know that. We have to be clear on that. We don't know. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and the key is, is to stay close to God. Right. You know, and stay, because there's tremendous reward as much as there's wrath and there's future judgment, and there is. there's also reward yeah. for um, staying close to the Lord here yeah. and, and doing His will, extension of His kingdom. Right on. So, okay, David, so great. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this hour went pretty quick. Sure did. And we kind of finished. I mean, you could really go on a deep dive on these chapters, especially four and five. Oh, I know. But um, we'll continue some topics next week, David. There's a lot of things I want to cover special guests that we're going to arrange we want to look at the importance of church maybe more so than ever because we can't go to church in many places right what do we do what do christians do it happened in communist countries where they learned how to go into small groups yeah so we'll look at the whole biblical basis for church it's not optional for believers and uh, no church is perfect but with the benefits and more than anything the obedience to christ to be part of his body as reflected at church is so important So again, thank you for listening. Uh, Have a blessed weekend. Uh, Look forward to you next week. Lord willing at 89.1 FM radio from Lorain, Ohio. Thanks again, David. Thanks, John. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. God bless you all.